Welcome back to the Station Tapes at 21 Soul. Today on the show, Mr. Nathan Paul, a multi-instrumentalist from Cleveland. Nathan's band, The Admirables, has been cooking this year, touring with Moon Hooch and Dwele, and opening for artists like Corey Henry and Kamasi Washington. Nathan does not consider himself a jazz musician, though improvisation and groove are heavy elements of his sound. The singles Flutaloo and Catch Me If You Can were released through Ropadope this year as we paved the road for more to come from this continually creative mind. Nathan speaks frankly about his upbringing and leads us through his songwriting process. Okay, we are back for another episode of the Station Tapes uh, at 21 Soul, and I have the luxury and 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 joyful experience of interviewing nathan paul nathan how are you i'm good thank you for uh, taking good. i'm the, here the time. i'm alive there we are we're on the right side of the grass as they say today well um, so depending uh, on we don't know yeah sorry i was gonna say we don't know what's on the other side but you know that is a value judgment. There's no doubt about it. It's an uninformed value judgment. It could be judgment. nice over there, too. That's right. It's <laughs> on a, the other side. It's a completely uninformed value judgment. Um, yeah. So, man, uh, where are you? You are in uh, Cleveland, yes? I am in Cleveland, Ohio. I am I'm representing Cleveland as best I can. Now, is that where, you, sure. is that where you grew up? That is... Well, let me get real specific. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Cleveland Heights, which is a, a suburb part of Cleveland. But I mean, Cleveland's in the name. East Cleveland is right down the street for anybody who knows. I guess I'm just talking to my fellow Cleveland. They know what I'm talking about. East Cleveland's go. down the street. Cleveland's right down the road. Um, yeah, born and raised Cleveland, Cleveland Heights. Yep, Sweet. that's me, and I live in specifically Cleveland proper now. I live in the city. I mean, the suburbs, literally, you could walk from the city to the suburbs. So, you know, it's all kind of just in a general kind of area, more or less. Nice. Um, so I want to get a sense of, uh, you know, what, what was your community like uh, growing up? And, 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 and how, how did that inform your choice to be a musician? I would say it really comes down singularly to one man I, I wouldn't really here's and you'll have to bear with me i'm going to backtrack and interrupt myself a lot uh, that's just my style can't help it mm-hmm. um i would say it was really just me and my father i i don't play music when i started playing music it wasn't because oh this makes me feel good this, it wasn't it wasn't like i'm sad so i learned to express nothing like that it was just my admiration and just love for my father. He loved music. That was how we bonded. We would stay up all night listening to it. And so my music is a testament of my relationship with my father. That is beautiful. I think that's the best answer I've heard on that. That is really something. Um, I hope that I have some influence over my children. Man, it's hard. It's such hard. A positive to know. You know, way. I'm not a parent, but I teach kids, and it's weird. You sense the kids' energy, like where they're at, and a lot of the times, the kids. You'll notice if one kid's upset, you notice a lot of kids are throughout the day and everything, and you're on a kind of a different plane than them. It's it's like the kids live in the past and you live in the future. You know, and you can't really meet them where they're at, but you're trying to prepare them 
for when they eventually will exist in the place that you are in. So it's it's hard to know. Their their energy is so different. The music, the internet. I'm sure when you were coming up, you didn't have a cell phone as a kid. I didn't have a cell phone as a kid. Yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. Who knows what these kids are seeing, the influences, how it impacts them. I hope you got the phones locked if you if they have phones. Uh, interesting. Mine are all mine are all adults at this point. So. Uh, oh well, then yeah. you're good. You're good. You did. You did great. I just, I, I just, I need to. Get they them. made it. They made it to adulthood. That's right. I count that as a success for sure. Um, was there? I mean, where did you start playing? Um, at home, I assume, with with your dad, or? Uh, where was the very first absolute place I started playing? Saxophone or just music in general? Music in general. I started out singing um, in choir at school. You know, it was required. Uh -huh. It was mandatory. I started in choir, and then we started learning recorder. I think I was in the third grade. Actually, I started singing before that, but third grade is what I remember. But there's videos of me singing in, like, kindergarten. You know, all kids love to sing, too. So I started with that, started with recorder. And then... A few years later I started playing saxophone I can fill in the gaps there if you want me to but it's no, probably it's... gonna involve me backtracking and talking it might get boring I don't know it's all good no I just we you know we we talk a lot about communities and and uh, and and try to you know inform people of the lives of musicians and how these things happen and so those are the reasons I ask those questions um what, what's the scene? We also talk about the communities themselves. Can you describe the scene in Cleveland? Like, is there a strong uh, m musical uh, community in the church, outside of the church? Like, wh wh where so was the, the church, scene when you were the growing church, up? The um, church scene here is very strong. I did grow up in church, and I played there as many of my other um, friends that reside and were born and raised within the black culture a lot of you know you can't really separate you can today more so but historically you can't really separate black woman or man from the church as a as a musician most most of us you know i was mm -hmm. that sam cook netflix you know his father was a pastor james brown was in church beyonce was in church it's yeah. a consistent narrative so yeah i was in church like many of my other friends and some of my heroes but it was a really different it wasn't your typical kind of church experience um but i've talked so much i don't even remember what question i'm answering yeah sorry it, about that well let, let's 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 roll with it in what way did you think it was different not a typical kind of church experience well man how do i describe this there, we went through quite a few different church scenarios. Early on, we were at a, we just would go and sing hymns, start out Bethel Baptist Church. It was a very diverse, good mix of white and black people. Um, it wasn't one or the other particular, just very normal, doctrinally strong. You know, they didn't say or make up anything that wasn't in the Bible. It was just strong. This is what the Bible says. Uh, we sang, there was a piano player, and I was just a little boy. I was like four or five. I remember that, though, because that community was really strong. Because when I was little, about four years old, my mother passed away of ovarian cancer. Mm. Um, so 
Um, so there was, so the community was strong. There was something called, I think it was care group or something where it was where parents were uh, widowed parents or single parents would go and meet in this group, you know, and fellowship and encourage each other. So I just remember there being such a strong sense of community there. Mm-hmm. And then my, we went to a different church. I don't know, you know, I'm sure when you were raising your kids, you didn't tell them why you did everything you did. So I don't know all the reasons my father did what he did but we changed churches mm-hmm. and this church was modest primarily black church but they just listened to like a cassette player they would play like a cd we said they didn't really have a, <laughs> a band um and it was cool but then things started to get a little weird there um i remember the minister was like i don't know he started like wanting to be like part of the police or had a would be having a gun and so it got weird wow. we weren't there anymore. Okay. Um, so then, <laughs> so then after that, we ended up at another church and we were never at a big major church. The biggest church I remember was when I was a kid and then a little later. So this church was modest. We met in a gym in a school. Um, well, we went to this, re- I mean, it's really long. Short, okay. short story is my father was a deacon early on. As long as I can remember, he eventually became an ordained pastor but there were some people who, I don't know, they had a spirit or they seemed possessed. Because my father was, you ask anybody, he was very kind. Um, he was not, my friends would ask, how come your father's so nice? I was like, I don't know, he's just a nice person. What you mean? Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was actually a Black Panther. And the uh, he used to tell me not to tell people that, but rest in peace, he's passed away now. And uh, I'm just telling it, he's not here to tell me not to do that, but right. it's all good. Um, I think it's really so, relevant today uh, to, to make that statement, yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't, you know, sometimes you tell people and then they kind of have, they throw expectations on you and they expect certain things because of this and this and that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really get to get into a lot of details with him about that. You know, he passed away when I was about 20 mm-hmm. and we were just getting to the stage where me and him could really be friends. So I got to experience that for like a year, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, um, so there was that, he was nice. He was always trying to reach out to people. My grandfather started, a, a, a hunger center or like a food shelter or something for the homeless back in the sixties or seventies. So I come from a line of people that genuinely just like to help people. It's in my blood. It's, you know, if I want to help somebody, if it's within my means, I'll do it. I don't really question why I feel that way. It's just what it is. And he was the same way. More so. Awesome. <laughs> More so. Awesome. Um, what kind of music? Again, I don't know how I got into that train of thought, but here we are. We're just riffing. Uh, what kind of music did he did he listen to and turn you on to? What was he most passionate about that, that hit you? He listened to a lot. There was not one thing. You know how it is with, with parents. Y'all know so much. Unfortunately, not to be depressing, you'll probably die before you get to tell your kids half of the knowledge you know. It's just what it is. So, um, or before they're ready to listen, yeah. Or before they're ready to listen. <laughs> right. Well, my biggest, one of my biggest influences and heroes just starting out was Grover Washington. Okay. Um, when my father listened to him a lot, he had the album Wine Light. It was very popular. You know, Bill Withers, just the two of us. Everybody knows that. American classic. Um, he liked a lot of stuff. I grew up listening to a lot of gospel music. Some some stuff you may not know. Um, 
we would, what would we sit and listen to? We would stay up to like 3 a.m. in the morning. We would play NBA Live on the computer, and we would listen to music. We would listen to Cannonball. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I listen to stuff like Money in the Pocket. Paul Desmond was one of my biggest. The first cat I probably transcribed was Grover. The next was Paul Desmond. I learned Take 5, and then I learned Take 10. I don't know if people know Take 10. Hmm. I learned that. And then... um yeah, I love. I used to be able to kind of mimic Paul Desmond fairly decently. I don't know if people would be able to hear that now, but uh, yeah, he just he loved jazz. He loved some of the hard stuff, some of the straight edge stuff. He loved some of the smooth stuff. I mean, it was just grew up black music, you know, just mm-hmm. Motown. I mean, it's really like you know, it's. I think it's okay that it's a cliche. You know, he came up in a certain time with his music. He was born in 1949, mm-hmm. so. It's funny, man, because in order for my bio to really work and you to know what I'm talking about, I kind of have to tell my father's story as well. Yeah. I can't tell my story without telling his story. That's oh, amazing. I didn't, I just realized that now. I didn't mm-hmm. really see that before. Oh, okay. That's uh, nice. So you have a single out uh, this year uh, so far with, with Rope It Open. There's more music to come. Um, yeah. How would you describe and define the music that you make? The music I make, uh, well, I'll, I'll work my way backwards. I'll say this newest single that I put out. I would. I don't put genres on it, and I know Robodope does not abide by that either. So, mm-hmm. um, I just. It's just what. Uh, it's just the kind of a philosophy I have. If people come to my show. They got to be able to do one of three things. They got to be able to either vibe to it, bounce to it, you know, like bop, side, you know, sway back and forth, or dance to it. If neither of these three things are present, I failed. That's the standard I set for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would describe my music. You can move to it without a, without a doubt. Some people say, oh, you know, if they don't know, what do you do? Well, I like it. I said, do you like to dance? If they say no, I said, that's okay. Do you like to bob your head up and down and bob? They say, I said, I got, I got something for you, you know? So this newest track, I would call it powerhouse music. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. We're playing, it's raw emotion, raw feeling. The drums are big. You got a repetitive bass line. That's just, you know, cause you, those repetitive bass lines really help that groove go, you know, cause James Brown is one of my biggest heroes. You know, if you mm-hmm. listen to my soloing, you'll hear influences, uh, you know, Cold Train and different things in there. But the fact of the matter is, when I'm playing, especially this track, Nathan Paul and the Marbles, I'm really trying to invoke a James Brown aesthetic, a yeah. funk, you know, Parliament. You got you got your group chanting, and I kind of do a little bit of rapping in there towards the end. So you know, I'm an '80s baby, so you're gonna hear some hip hop, you're gonna hear some funk. You know, it's just. Uh, Mm-hmm. I don't. Did I answer the question? Did I answer it really well? Okay. Let's cool. talk about the two the, the the two facets of music that you're creating because um, I want to fully understand as well. Um, there's Nathan Paul and the Admirables, and then there's Nathan Paul. So do you, have, do you have do you have a vision for each that, that, that so we can yeah. we can identify the difference between the two for people? Yeah. So Admirables, Nathan Palmer, Admirables, is more so 
I don't want to say a niche, but you're going to, for the most part, get a consistent thing probably from album to album. It's kind of like uh, it's primarily, for the most part, supposed to be dance music. There's going to be some ballads, but it's, mm -hmm. you can slow, you can probably slow dance to it, like a romantic slow dance sort of ballad. So there's a strong dance element to it. I would say, you know, like Herbie Hancock's, uh, all his 70s, you know, Funk stuff with Benny Moppin. You got your James Brown. You got your Earth, Wind, and Fire. You got your Stevie Wonder. That, in a sense, is the Marbles. And our drummer currently, he, uh, I mean, he doesn't have like necessarily didn't study a lot of rock stuff. But the church and the tradition he came from, you know, playing a lot of church stuff. There was a rock influence in there. So I've been trying to listen to more rock music as well and incorporate that i just want to have the most energetic most turn basically if you come to a marble show i'm trying to drop dead at the show at the end of the show i want to be ready to die because i went as hard as i possibly can i'm if i die today i'm okay with it that's the admirable's vibe well wow. go as humanly possible i want you, i want to bleed on stage yeah 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 there's that that rocket that's that's the one thing you've defined that rock and roll had uh, expressed, you know, really effectively. Anybody from Mick Jagger, yeah. Mick, and and combined with James Brown too, right? So anybody from Mick Jagger. Yeah, oh to, my goodness! To Iggy he really Pop. was the hardest yeah. working man in showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Nathan Paul. That's more like uh That's more so the pensive inside because there's two different person, two different personalities, but it's you have to be a chameleon to really survive as an artist and in the world. Um. I, I feel I'm a shy person in the grand scheme of things, but I can really put myself out there when I need to be because when I need to, because it's, you know, survival of it, you know, you just gotta be strong, you know, so I have to force things. I may not feel like it, but I force it because I know that's that's just what it takes some sometimes. Yeah. So with Nathan Paul, I don't know, it's just more of an emotional side almost more kind of it's a groove too and you can groove you always that's always going to be there but it's uh how do i say it's more stately it mm. can be even more it's not it marbles is more innocent it's just like me it's like my 11 no it's like my when did i discover train and really like it i don't know it's like my 17 18 year old version just dancing around i don't have any real responsibilities, no no bills. I live at home, my mm -hmm. parents at 17, I can dance around in the living room, I'm in comfort. It's just, oh, I'm just young and, and free and happy. I wanna dance and have the best time ever. That's kind of what Admirables is. And Nathan Paul is more just like a, a more mature kind of more stately, this is, a, this is a groove, but you know, what are you, what are you doing with your life? So I posted something on Instagram yesterday that says, do people, it's truth, do people believe what truth is because of, uh, what is it? It has something to do with, do you believe it because you want it to be true or because it actually is true? Mm -hmm. So Nathan Paul represents more so the philosophical side of myself, but there's still a groove there. And, you know, mm -hmm. in the admirables, I'm starting to sing some and talk more. The Nathan Paul stuff, it's mostly instrumental, and it's me really kind of trying to demonstrate everything I've worked up to up until this point, compositionally-wise, 
saxophone playing and all that. You know, Marvel's is party, straight party, 24-7 all yeah. the time. And Nathan Paul is like, you come, it's like going, it's like a more mature hang. You go with the guys. I don't smoke a cigar, but maybe somebody's smoking a cigar, playing, playing poker, making mm-hmm. mature jokes with cards. It's like a good, mature sort of. We're still grouping. We're still in there, but we're very aware of our place in this world, and we're not blind about what we're doing. Wow. Well put. Well put. Coming, where that's kind of from. A little bit like a Friday night and a Saturday evening. Um, is, <laughs> is the... It's, yeah. Is the con is it when you compose and when you create the music, uh, you know, what's what's your normal process? Does stuff hit you like a lightning bolt or are you working it through yeah. piece by piece? Yeah, sometimes it hits me like that. But I don't write from my uh this might disappoint some people. Um I don't write from my uh feelings. I don't do that. I play from my feelings and I perform. And I my writing's not mathematical either. For instance, okay. let me give an example. So today's Thursday, 3.53 p.m., February 28th. So I remember, or say out there, because I think you have to write all the time. I, I know, see, I heard a story, see if you want to write a song a day. So this last year I did that. I was like, I'm just going to write a song every day because I'm a professional musician, and, and that's what you do. Like, things are so much easier now that I can go back and have over 100 songs to choose and be like, which one of these y'all want to play? So it's more like a, and we'll make something of it when we start playing it. This song will come to life once we play it. Mm-hmm. I just write because I like, I like the, I like the write. It's, it's not unemotional or emotional. It's just like, I mean, is your breathing emotional? Like, how do you describe your, the way right. you breathe? That's how I look at composition. It's just like, this is just, it's just always happening. It's not something... I need to, it's just there. I don't, I don't know how else to describe that. I, it's clearly an ambiguous answer, but my process is somewhat ambiguous. I could sit down right now and play a chord, playing and put a melody over. I was like, there's a song. There's a like, well, why'd you do that? I just are did you, it. It's just it. Are you almost like, set, you know, set, setting is setting some sort of theatrical thing up or, or like a novel even like once, once you start to paint the, paint the walls then then the rest of it takes shape is that is that um, kind of what you mean like are you telling a story when well you, write? you know there's this video charlie parker and did right before they play a uh, hot house and uh the guy he said oh charlie parker you know great minor saxophone player you have any words and he said well i don't remember the dude's name let's say it's let's say it's frank well frank they say music speaks louder than words, so I'd rather voice my opinion that way. Hmm. It's kind of like that. Like, I don't, I'm not feeling, like, I could sit down right now. I'm at a piano, right? I'm just going to make something up right now. Let's see. I'll start one note. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a bass line now. Mm-hmm. Kind of chord that did. No, I don't like that chord. No, I don't like that chord. No, I don't like that chord. This could take a second, so I'm not gonna put us through that. But yeah, so that's that's just why did I just write that now? I have no idea. I just right. I just sat down and I was just hearing something. Um, for, I've been playing music long enough now where it's not really a thought anymore 
It's yeah, um, it's, but it's committed could, to memory. You know, yeah, and and feeling. It's just a feeling yeah. that comes out. I know I said I didn't write from a feeling. I, it's not like an emotional story. I'm not doing good at answering this question. No, I, no, no, this is great. I mean, to to me, it reminds me of like any any particular thing you do. Um, you know, when you first do it, um, it, it seems like, you know, you're, let's say it's a physical activity like playing guitar or surfing, for example, it, you, mm-hmm. you look at it and it looks like the most awkward thing. And then, and then, and then if you do that enough, it just, it just starts to come naturally and you start to improvise off of that, you know? Um, so, so there's obviously you've got some, uh, some memory going on and, uh, that, oh, that just, just bringing in. Yeah. Muscle memory Muscle and just memory, your yeah. training, other things you've been trained to do, like, you know, just you know certain things work. Like, I'm sure there's some people who could write a song away from the piano without singing. They just, it's like, I know these series of notes work, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually, I figured it out. I'll do this. I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah, I can. Hey, stuff. I'm not a piano player, but I mean, I get somebody put a groove to that. I say, yo, play this Chuck, try this beat. Everything's a song. I don't throw anything out. If I write it, I'm going to play it. And if it doesn't sound good, I'm just like, let's find a way to make it sound good. So I'm just really in the process of discovery. It's just, if somebody said, how do you write? I said, sing a note. If somebody says, ah, sing a second note. Ah, it's like, ah, ah. I said, that's the song. To me, everything is a song already. So it's not that I'm writing it. I'm just kind of grabbing it from the places it already exists in. Mm -hmm. Have you ever uh, produced music for others? Um, Have I? To be honest, I don't know if I have. I could have. I'm trying to think right now. Sounds like you got the producer. You got the producer mind as well. So um, that's. Uh, I, I might have not. Maybe not in the most traditional sense. But like one of the bands I play in, um, there's like a singer. It's like a soul, old school thing. But original music, you know, I'll write the whole set out, like the transitions. I. And all the bands I'm in, I put the shows together. I'm just like, these are the transition that's going to happen. This is how we'll get from point A to point B. You should say this at the top. This to get people's attention. This is, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I'll produce a show, but I don't. I have not been traditionally in a in a cliche music industry since been paid to produce somebody's um, album or or track. Um, but there's still time. I got know? a I got I'm, a sense know. that might be in your future. Um, I think we're already out of time, my friend. Um, I, so I want to <laughs> okay. wrap it up. These things go fast when we're, we're having fun. Oh, yeah. Um, so I want to tell people, uh, if you're listening, uh, Catch Me If You Can is out now from Nathan Paul and the Admirables. And keep your eyes and ears open at ropeadope.com and at uh, nathanpaulmusic.com for news about upcoming records from both Nathan Paul and the Admirables and Nathan Paul. Nathan, thanks so much for doing what you do. It's been it's been a pleasure to kind of get into your into your mind a little bit here and how this process works. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Glad to share. All right.
Hey, Lewis, you know what? After we got off the interview, I, I went back and looked at that little riff and those two chords I came up with, and I was like, I might as well develop this. So remember this? Started up here. And then I added chords. And then I realized, or what was the rhythm? I was like, that's too complicated. So what I'm going to do is simplify it. Instead of walking up to B, all the way up there, I'm just going to do it real close. I started doing that, and then I started to hear a melody, and I was like... That's really low in the range, so let me change the range there. That's interesting. Maybe I should do minor. That'd be that'd be more interesting. That's not interesting at all. I lied. Sorry about that. That's it. That's what I meant to do. Okay, I'm hearing it now. I might call this song Lewis. Uh, thanks for the unintentional inspiration. Just by you answering that question, you spoke this song into existence. Thank you all for tuning in to the station tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21Soul. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and wherever else pods are cast. Our video interview series is available on YouTube at Ropadope99. And you can find out more about the artists we speak with at ropeadope.com. Thanks to the 21 Soul team, Nick Perry and Steven Yashevsky on production, Larry Yetman on video, and the great Fabian Brown on the creativity and positive energy tip. Our theme song is from Red Hook Soul by saxophonist Michael Blake. You can find out more about Michael Blake at michaelblake.bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming service. Finally, thanks to all of you who keep the flame burning for independent quality music. To the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and to those of you who are taking the time to listen, we hope you enjoy the show.